Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Arena, where all we do is just, just, just and just. Have you been? Has your day gone so far? Um, has a week gone so far as well? Um, have you accomplished, you know, all that you said to do at least up until now? Um, not to worry if you have not, you still got time to, you know, double up for now, relax and listen to us. You know, just sit down, be taken care of, you know, let's, let's, you know, <laughs> speak into your ears. Um, thank you so much for joining us again today. Um, I am Cynthia. Um, Adenike is here with me. Um, I attended is sitting out today and um, we're joined here um, with a guest. Let me clap. Yes, we're joined here today by a guest, an HR professional, actually. Her name is Gloria. Hi, Gloria. How are you doing? Um, it's so lovely to have you here with us. So we have Gloria here today because uh, we'll be discussing something that has to do with the workplace. And we wanted that point of view from an HR professional, which she brings. Because the rest of all like this, now cruise. <laughs> now cruise with them, man. So, I mean, um, without further ado, this particular scenario made the rounds of social media. So, um, just a brief background. So, um, there's a guy called um, John and there's a guy called Brandon. John happens to, um, from all indications, be either the supervisor or manager to Brandon. And so there was a screenshot of their text um, conversation that was shared online and, you know, you know, got a lot of reactions from people. So I'll be reading it. So this message um, comes in from John to Brandon. You remember I said John is Brandon's uh, supervisor or manager. And so it goes first. Hey, Brandon, we are short-staffed for the rest of this year because Sarah just quit without any warning. We are really backed up, so I am going to need you to come in during Thanksgiving this year. Don't be shocked if you have to come in during Christmas Eve and day two. Um, Brandon replies, I already told you three weeks ago I need that week off and you agreed. Now you're changing your mind. I will not be working Thanksgiving. And if you ask again, I will not be working for you at all anymore. <laughs> um, so Brandon replies the next morning. So the previous two text messages I just read were sent um, in the evening. Started at 7.02 in the evening. So I guess that you know followed up closely. So um, John, who is the manager, responds the next morning at 9.32. And he goes first, we have had to set expectations with, with you uh, multiple times this year. Coming, coming in is the least you can do. Your PTO request has been denied. I am not asking you to come in. I am telling you that you have to. And um, Brandon replies, and I'm telling you that you'll, you have no worker at all now. I quit. And he puts the uh, thumbs up um emoji there so that's the conversation <laughs> that's basically happened between um john and brandon so um i mean this has you know stirred a lot of um, conversations different conversations let me start with this um i didn't care what, what do you think so typically when people sign uh um, employment letters most often than not um i'm, I'm not saying this is the number most times you know, we, we, especially in this part of the world we sign eight to five or nine to six, so structured time. However, along the line, when you resume, you know, work and you, you realize that you have to stay um, um, beyond the terms of employment, or you have um, requests and all of that, you know, you just have to stay beyond the time that you are allocated in the in the office. If you had your boss um, send you send a message to you, sort of out of work hours, would you respond? Do you think it is um, out of place to, to for their, for such requests to be made? And if you get such requests um, after work hours, would you even respond to them? And um, if you do, would you like action immediately, or would you say something like, ah, um, I'll, maybe I'll, I would action tomorrow or something like that? What do you think? Um, and um, chef, uh, sorry, we usually call Gloria sometimes, Chef Glue. Um, what do you think? Um, no. No, not what do you think now, more from the professional view. What do you think about um, employers reaching out to employee um, after work hours or, you know, 
during a time when they're not supposed to come in you know what do you think about that scenario is it not i mean if to myself now being an employee it pretty much looks like all employers you know do that and it's cool what do you think about it is it is it like a non-written rule now like when it's in fact like when it's not continuing in your employment letter should you just expect that your employer is going to reach out to you um during your not working hours and if they do are you obligated to actually respond to such requests um what should you do what should you what should your line of action be um so over to you ladies Hello, Cynthia. How are you doing today? Such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful introduction. It's so exciting to be on this platform. And well done to you, my darling Adenike and Ducky. Well done, guys. This is such a beautiful um, platform and I'm so excited to be here. So, yes, we're talking a very sensitive topic today or we are touching a very sensitive topic today, which is really around employee-employer relationship and where we should set the boundaries and where people should be respected in terms of their time and their ability to work in an organization. First things first, one of the things that you, one of the key things that employers need to know is that as an employer, you have something called the employee value proposition. In other words, even though you're offering your staff or your employee a service, right? There's also a value proposition. In other words, what makes you a unique employer? But most employers don't see this or don't necessarily think about this factor because they possibly see that they're probably doing people a favor by hiring them and paying them a salary. But it goes beyond that. An employment environment needs to be fulfilling both for the employer and the employee. And it's important that we pay attention to these things, particularly when it comes to hiring and retaining and engaging staff as well. Now, with the situation at hand, before I go to your question, right, the um, employee was well on his right and the manager was also well on his right. But I will explain to you what I mean by both. Now, the employer should have been able to seek the human aspect of this staff to, to help them understand why they require their services at that particular point in time. Now, regardless of whether you're selling or you're in human resources or whatever the, the trade you're in, when you need to convince people or speak to people from a depth, it has to do with emotional transfer. And for an employer, you must learn that emotional intelligence to know how to transfer it in a way that your employee is willing to go above and beyond for you. If she had simply approached it a different way versus sending a text calling to explain the business exigencies, you know, it might have made a difference versus ordering the person. Now, don't forget that beyond the eight or nine hours we spend at work, we also have other areas of our lives we need to balance. I'm sure many of us have heard about the wheel of life um, um, circle and know that there are different areas we need to balance to have a full and fulfilling life. But if, if those areas are suffering, the truth of the matter is that you cannot give 100% at a job. So if that guy had even come into the office, let's assume he had been bullied to come into the office, guess what? He won't be operating at 100%. And would you rather somebody who is operating at 10% versus somebody who is operating at 100% who is fully vested into the interest and the obligations of the organization? So those are the trade-offs that we need to make as CEOs, as employers and as bosses to ensure that we are emotionally vested in our employers, such in our employees, in such a way that they can go above and beyond to fulfill our needs or to fulfill the needs of the organization. Because it's beyond you as a manager. You don't go around ordering people, you know, because you don't want to be treated that way. And at the same time, the staff also needs to, you know, tone down the way that they respond to things. You don't respond to things in an emotional way as well and lose altogether. You have to strike that balance to help the person see why you need the break. Every single one of us, we need to take some time to rest. Like we, so we always say, rest is not a is not a gift. How do I put it? Rest is not a reward. Rest is a necessity to be able to recalibrate. You know, that's why we have times and seasons. A woman will be pregnant for nine months, but there are three seasons of change. You know, a school will have nine months sessions, but there's there's three months of you know breaks in between to recalibrate and come back to your hundred percent, your hundred percent self, or gain new strength for your new season. And so employers need to understand that. So back to your question, you know. I'd like to also hear other people's perspectives. All employers need to understand that there's something called boundaries. There is something called boundaries. Even employees need to understand that. As a rule of thumb, if it is 10 p.m., I do not personally respond to anything that has to do with the office. Not because I cannot or I don't want to, but I need to I need to not build that repertoire that you can reach out to me at 1 a.m. I've had scenarios where my bosses reached out to me at 1 a.m., 12 midnight, and we're doing the work. And guess what? We did the work well into the morning. And that work could have waited. 
you understand i would have given i would have given our best you know if we had focused on it come to work very early in the morning and focus on it the truth of the matter that the world is not going to stand still and truly planning is what makes us planning really makes us be able to achieve our task most but yeah i agree that there can be exigencies here and there that would require people to come into the office and really put in 100 percent at those times you need to be human about it because you're taking me out of the commitment we both had when we we're signing the employment letter so you need to be human about it you know the concept of human resources is not about giving rules and regulations it's about put it's about being human first and being human means that we have different aspects that make us we have spiritual and body like many of us know but at the same time we have so many social areas that make us we have family we have fun we have our finances we have recreation we have so many areas that make us up and employers need to understand it so first things first understand their about that there are boundaries and no i don't expect that you send me a message by 12 midnight i wouldn't respond except i know that we have we are working on a critical what you call a project that is very time bound then i would give my entire time but i still expect that you don't you don't bully me into doing it you i don't want to use the word lure but you you TLC me into it. Give me some, give me a reason to know that this is bigger than me. And let me commit to doing it. You know, so that's the way I feel that we can keep, retain, engage our employees and at the same time retain them for good success. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Chef Flo. Great to chat with you all again. Thank you very much. Nice to gist with Chef Flo again, at least on gist arena. Welcome, Chef Flo. Ah, great question, uh, Cynthia. Great topic, interesting topic. So question for me is, would I pick a call from my manager outside of work hours? Number one, it depends on if I even saw the call to start with. I once had a call from a manager. He called me on Friday and after work hours, and I didn't even see the missed call until Monday. Don't judge me. He called a number that I, do, I, I did not you typically monitor back then uh, because I have quite a number of numbers. I have quite some numbers. My sister claimed that it's people that are doing Yahoo Yahoo that have so many numbers. For me, I have a good reason. I'm not doing Yahoo Yahoo. I, I use them for different purposes and I'm a risk um, engineer. Uh, part of my risk management training tells me that I should always have backups and all. So that's why, that's why I have quite a number of numbers. Uh, so I didn't even see his call. So that, there was no case of whether I would. But even if I'd seen that call, I don't know if I would have called back until Monday anyway. But we'll never know. So on to, so now let's assume I saw the call at the time it came or not long after. Would I call back? Would I try to reach out? I would say at that point that it depends on the relationship I have with the manager. Uh, I may not know all the HR jargon that, or HR words that uh, Chef Glow uh, put in. Oh, and by the way, the reason why we call her Chef Glow is that apart from being a fantastic uh, HR personnel, she also is an amazing, amazing chef. I hope she will tell us a bit more about her, her chefing sometime as she's, as she's talking, as we're gisting. Okay, so back to the topic. Uh, so I may not know all of the HR, right HR words that she does, but one thing I know is that as a manager, you or as a, as someone that has people reporting to you, you want to be careful that you are not just a positional leader. And by saying the, by, uh, what uh, positional leadership means is that you are a leader because that's your title. It's, uh, they will say that's level one leadership in quotes because yes you have the title but you don't you're not influential you haven't invested enough in your people to be able to influence them to do things that they probably have never been paid to do there are things you do as a leader that moves you from level one which is positional leadership i think that's from a john maxwell book that i reviewed with some of my um some people in it in the program i was on a few years back that's when i learned about that as a level one leader you are you are, you are insisting because your position says you are the leader but by the time you're moving to level two it means that people are following you not just because of your position and sometimes level two leaders may not even have the position but they have influenced people enough that they can tell people let's go and do this thing and even though you are not the one that was that is the positional leader. The level two leader is the one people want to follow. 
even when there is no imminent benefits. So you want to invest as a leader in your in your capacity so that you can influence people. I remember that one of the best books I ever read was one I read in my hundred level, I believe, by Dale Carnegie. I think that's him. The title was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, so while my my classmates and all were learning math 101 and physics 101 and chemistry 101, I spent a good part of my 100 level reading that book. And I'm glad I did because I learned a lot about that. So I think uh, one issue that uh, Brandon's manager has is that he has not invested in the relationship he has with uh, Brandon to be able to ask Brandon to do things that are not uh, in his job description and get Brandon to say, oh, I'll be glad to. I have some leaders that when they tell me to do things extra, I don't even grumble. I do them. Uh, there was someone that had taken his time when I was an intern to train me on things that he didn't necessarily have to do. And so there was a time when he needed me to help him out uh, over the weekend I wasn't going to be paid for the job because it was something I was doing to help him. And so I couldn't make it on Saturday, which was the day he wanted me to come. So I told him, oh, you know what? Send me the stuff. I'm going to do it on Sunday because Sunday is the day I can work on it. And I went physically to work on Sunday to do it. And I spent quite some time doing free work for someone because he had invested earlier, not because he was expecting this to happen, but because he had invested and I felt comfortable to to pay him back in quotes and I didn't feel like I was I was being forced to do anything. So I think one issue is it depends my answer is that it depends on how much this person that is asking me to come out of my during the even if I'm going to be paid, I think that's secondary. People really as in pay is not enough justification to make people to take on overtime. That which is essentially what uh, Brandon's uh, manager wanted him to do. It depends for me on how, what the relationship is between myself and the manager to start with. Oh, more. Oh, more. It always makes sense to bring... Um, I mean, an authority on a subject matter, you know, into discussions, and this is clearly one of them. When um, Gloria, Gloria was speaking, I kept saying, away. <laughs> this is literally why, you know, you need to always speak to a subject, subject matter um, authority when you're literally speaking about some specific things. And, I mean, I definitely resonate with what um, you both said when it comes to investing in um your colleagues or co-workers or your subordinates quote unquote here i mean it's only when you invest then you can reap i remember on on a previous job i mean my my, my boss then could literally you know get to my house and tell me um you know cynthia we need to be at this particular place and i'll be like i'm not even at my bath and he'll tell me please can you you know be ready in like 20 15 minutes and i'll be like yes i can and that's because this person has definitely um invested in me to the extent that i can't go and above and beyond for this person like i literally would work into the night because this person requested it or this person needs it and things like that and i also remember remember on another job as well where look once that five o'clock is five o'clock i'm not reachable anymore i remember on, on that on the, the job i'm referring to if my boss wanted to reach me like they did not even have my what's it called my personal line and when 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 there were emergencies they would also call my colleague um, and I had instructed my colleague to never give up my give up my personal number. So my colleague would do a conference call and then they would just ask me whatever they wanted to ask me. It was funny, but I just I just you know decided I didn't want to do it. And I always wonder how we can strike that work life balance. How do we strike that work life balance? How do we do it? And just while we were discussing this, um I came across um well, someone shared another scenario with me and i just want to share it with the house so we can also discuss this it's also i mean it will definitely play to what uh, um uh, um um gloria was talking about being not being emotional as well as what adenike was saying in like 
like as a boss if you've not invested or you've, you've not just done the work you cannot just you know re- re- request um your subordinate of some things and i'm just going to read this is this email that i came across or that was sent to me rather so it goes to us dear Nii, trust this email finds you well let me just post it's very funny when 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 even i type i trust this email finds you well because i'm like if i don't put that how am i supposed to open how am i supposed to um i mean introduce or what's supposed to be in the introduction of my mail i use it i use it i use it a lot dear x i trust this mail finds you well remind that module and if it doesn't find you well anyways <laughs> that was i digress okay so i'm just going to continue i sent in feedback since friday and i'm yet to hear back from you and you have not even acknowledged the email kindly see to it that this is not a regular occurrence and please add your input as soon as possible because i have a briefing by midday tomorrow regards so first um, my question would be what do you think about this particular email how was the tone was it okay or you know was it um was it um was it calling for some sort of negative feedback now i'm going to read the the, the, the reply dear the name has been redacted trust you had a work so this is actually a reply to that mail i just finished reading um, trust you had a restful weekend. I will not act act as though your mail met me well as you suggested. Ha! That's what I just uh, said now. For whatever reason, you sent your feedback around 8 p.m. on Friday. As someone that has been working here longer than I have, you don't need me to tell you that office hours are 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Fridays. Um, I am within my purview of rights if I decide not to reply over the weekend. If your social calendar is very open and you decide to work over the weekend, I commend your commitment to the course. However, this should not be a yardstick to measure my competency. I have made the edict and you can find it attached to this mail. Enjoy the rest of your day forever in your service. The um, signing out is also redacted. So, I'm just wondering, um, Gloria, from an HR point of view, if this matter was brought to you, how do how, you know how would you handle this? And um, I, I didn't care. I mean, how do you think? What do you think? What do you think about the the tone of the email? Um, obviously, from this tone, or already we can infer that this person does not have um, that rapport or that relationship with the recipient of the mail. If you got this kind of mail and you don't have an exactly um you know good rapport with the person that sent it what would be your reply do you think this um, person's reply was a little over the top or do you think it was just fine what do you i, well, I would say that i do find a bit of sass sass in the reply i definitely would not reply this way in fact let me just say if i wasn't i mean i've had situations where i got emails on friday or on days when i was off and i'll be very honest with you to tell you that it depends on my mood and it depends on the urgency of the of the message i'll give an example so i work in higher education recruitment and sometimes i get mails that are time sensitive i'll give an example loose example i could have a mail for someone that wants to apply for a visa they need to resume at a certain time and they've sent me an email requesting for an information or something for maybe just to say maybe to put in their visas and they need that thing it's time sensitive and they change it to only myself they haven't copied anyone else in it to be honest irrespective of how i feel even if i'm on break or i'm on holidays over the weekend i would actually um um I would actually respond to that email and help the person out and i've also gotten mails from my bosses where to be honest with you i just was not in that zone of frame of mind to do anything and very honestly even sometimes even when it was time sensitive i just know that bodily i cannot do anything i do anything and i didn't do anything and i waited till monday no no you know nothing fell but i don't i personally don't think i would send this kind of reply so i'm just curious you know what do you what do you ladies think gloria from an hr point of view what do you think about this reply well, no, what do you think about what was sent what do you think what do you think about the person's reply i didn't care would you ever re- you know reply the way this person has replied and what do you think about the mail in the first instance <laughs> since i read danny's response to the email i've not been able to read an email that says hope this um, email meets you well 
with with a straight face it's always been funny as in i'm sure people are like why is this one laughing but i just remember Nii every time uh, so speaking personally i would not reply the way Nii did i would not honestly but it is funny it was a funny response from Nii, but i, I well uh, if I, if I was a co-worker and both of them brought their matter to me, for example, uh, if depending on which one of them brings the matter, I would give them counsel separately. So let's assume that it was Nii's boss that or the other person that sent the mail, the first mail that came to me. What I would tell him or her is, uh, first of all, your tone was was just off. You don't send people emails after work and just assume that they are going to do it. So if it was something urgent and uh, I'd sent an email, I'll probably follow up with a phone call, with a phone call and uh, go like, ah, me, my guy, how far? I know you're busy, my guy, beg please help. You know, just go without that quote and tie approach. Because again, even if it's, even if it's during work hours and the person, I really need the information and I need you to get on it, as quickly as possible that's one of the things that uh, i would say the majority of my managers say they like about me which is that i follow up i follow up i would follow up on the email that i've sent no matter how official and i try to make sure that my email is not coming across as me being official wearing coat and tie it's probably usually oh please this thing is overdue can you please expedite you know there'll be all of those those words that communicate urgency and i'm not going to wait until i have a meeting to write an email so i probably would send the mail with in the most friendly way possible and uh, then follow up with a phone call and still go like my guy how far i know it's friday i know you're busy i got no vex i beg help me you know that kind of thing so that uh, when he doesn't even go like i discuss now you you know that kind of thing and most times when my managers need me to do something urgently they probably will do that so i probably learned from best managers i would say so most first of all make sure you are, you don't wait until something is super urgent didn't you know you had a meeting by whatever time it is the meeting was supposed to start and then you waited all through friday waited through saturday sunday then you're waiting till monday morning to send that in that email the tone was not good that's my verdict. So if uh, Nii had come to me and had said, see, see what this one they do now, wow. I probably would have gone like, well, yeah, your boss was out of line, but Nii, your response was sassy. You're probably right. I remember one, there was a presentation I'd seen, uh, I think it was during my internship anyway, and uh, the title was, you could be right and you could be dead right, in the sense that, yes, you're right, but you died because you were trying to prove you right. It was a safety moment, and the uh, the point of it was that someone walking on their, or insisting on their lane on the road and refusing to give way to traffic of mad people, people that obviously don't have the right of way, but are just not normal enough to calm down and wait for others. And then, so you're right, you're on your right, but then, you end up being hurt or even killed because you're insisting on your right. And that's perhaps what I would tell Nii at this point. Uh, Nii, yes, you shouldn't have, the email shouldn't have come when it did. But if there was something really urgent that needed to be attended to, uh, for me, if I was in Nii's shoes, no matter how I feel about the manager, so if I saw the email, again, I'll go back to it being to the fact that I saw or did not see it. So if I saw the email, I would respond with a a tone that tells you that please, this is not acceptable. Don't do it consistently. And if it's like your the manager's fifty seventh time of waiting till things are urgent before he or she now involves me, I probably would also copy the someone senior, more senior than the manager, to respond to whatever was asked but also indicate that i prefer to be involved earlier so that i can deal with issues before they get too late or get to the point where i have to be working overtime if it's something that i 
I could have done maybe during work hours. So for me, that's perhaps how I would respond. So of course, there's still some passive aggressiveness in copying the person's manager, but I would rather be passive aggressive in a way that if we decide that we are going to HR, HR to go like, ah, you try, well done. But you know, I don't know, I don't really like to get into that mode. So please, organ, Denise, organ, please don't put me in the position where you are already behind and then you're expecting me to treat your tardiness as an emergency. I don't like that personally and I would assume that needs who does not. However, if I do have to manage such a boss that waits for things to be late, one thing I wait until things are late before he or she starts asking for input. Perhaps one, what I would advise a needy to do in such a case is to anticipate and you know ask the girl that how far what are we working on this week what what's due when is it due you know begin to work like a project engineer on your guy I had a boss like that that uh, always had challenges with uh, keeping up with schedule so what did i do i would always look through the schedule look at things that maybe are due for in two weeks begin to work on them before they are due so that by the time he's asking me those late night questions, in fact, I'm the one that is telling him that uh, maybe like uh, a week before the things are due, that okay, I've worked on ABC, this is the fit, this is the response, and all, and I make sure that I send the mail to just him. And um, he, well, my managers, like I said, have been great people, so they have appreciated that. So I think there are a lot of things me could have done better, but I'll put 70% of the issues of the blame in quotes in this instance on me's boss. Thank you. Now wa <laughs> anyway, so um just I, I pr- pretty much went back to that message almost three to four times to read different meanings to it and to kind of put the right emotion or the right perspective. And the first thing that actually strikes me is that they have a culture of Glasgow's in that environment, if this means anything to anyone. Because um, from maybe I'm old school when it comes to um, work environment and relationships, or maybe old school or very traditional in the way that I behave. So that might also um, interfere or put some basis to my response. But the truth of the matter is that regardless of whether you're in the work environment or not, the concept of respect, you know, ties deep. First of all, Talk about the job, no problem, but don't start referring to people's social calendar or people's social life. That's that's you attacking the person's person, if you get what I'm trying to say. So there's a difference between focusing on the matters at hand, which was the fact that you do not appreciate being given work, you know, but then starting to say things around the person's social um, life. That just means to me that you're now being personal about your attack. For the line manager, um, it reminds me so much of somewhere that I know. I'm not going to say anything, but it reminds me so much. I feel that this person um, has a lot of things to prove to their own superior. So hear me when I say this. They have a lot of things to prove to their own superior, but they generally don't know why or how, rather. And so they require the support or the help of their team members to help them achieve. But also pride. Pride won't sort of allow them to, you know, cajole their team members to, so not cajole, but galvanize their team members to do anything around, to do anything for them. And you mentioned it earlier, if you haven't poured into someone, even the Holy Book says that out of the fullness of the mouth, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you haven't poured enough into someone, if you haven't deposited into their emotional banks, there's really no way, you know, the person will decide to, do anything for you without thinking twice about it. And like I said, they have a basketball culture. So it's very easy for the person to give that person back and not cower under authority or cower under leadership. Okay? So first things first, that manager or that line manager, whatever that person is, has something to prove to the bigger boss, but doesn't really know how to do it and needs the input from our team members or his team members, you know, to be able to create their own perspective and their own thoughts. But that being said, if you do have a briefing over the weekend, you know, I'm sure you knew about it Friday during the day. You could have just simply said, you know what, I'll probably need your service for an hour tomorrow. 
would it be possible for you to help me? Don't go saying um, it's a social, um, what do you call it? Don't make it a norm. That also tells me that you don't have a healthy balance between the different areas of your life. And you're trying to impose that or reflect that on other people. The fact that, and, and managers need to understand this, the fact that somebody else does not share your social sentiments or does not, does not share what you consider hard work or fun doesn't mean the person is not competent enough. Okay? It doesn't mean the person is not competent enough. What needs to happen in that environment is that they need to describe the fundamentals of their business culture and ensure that everybody understands how that translates into behavior. Okay? And everybody can deliver. If it's an environment that is focused on delivering work um, seven days a week, 24 hours, I'm sure everybody who is collecting an offer letter already knows that. And that's the expectation. But from this person's response, it means that HR didn't do anything to say, oh, we work extra hours even over the weekend, whether it is required or not. HR will most times always say, okay, when is business exigency? This did not sound to me like a business exigency, unless it could have been a bit more urgent. Okay? Now, back to the responder. Again, like I said, it's okay to set boundaries. And it's okay to express what is acceptable what is not acceptable by you. But there's also something called emotional intelligence or emotional mastery. There's something else called self-governance. Okay? Self-leadership and self-governance. And there's something else that is called, that just skipped my head and I don't remember what I wanted to say. But emotional intelligence or emotional mastery just basically means your ability to, to know when to speak, what to say, how to say it. In a way that the other party doesn't see it. The other party sees the depth of your conversation and can understand it. And that's me giving a pedestrian definition to this, but I hope everybody can understand what I'm saying. You know? And self-governance is your ability not to also project yourself in your response. So the email reeks of emotional banter. Oh, I have something to squash with this person and I'll just, I'm just going to put it in this email and score cheap points of being able to talk. Guess what? When it comes to performance appraisal, I'm not just appraising you based on your technical competence. I'm also appraising you based on your ability to blend in this environment, which is where the cultural and behavioral aspects comes into book. And with that behavior, I'm sorry, you can't sit in a board meeting. You can't. Because you won't know when to, you know, cover up the stakeholders' issues. You won't know when to, you won't know when to act. So I can't trust you with a huge portfolio because you just pour out your emotions everywhere, all in a bid to score cheap points. So just like you have strategy and you know you have short-term, mid-term, and long-term plans, employees should also have the same short-term, mid-term, long-term plans and identify what behavior will help me achieve this short, long, and mid-term plan. You don't just want to score cheap points so they can say, oh, you have the sharpest mark. Guess what? Opportunities will just be passing you by and you will not know why. You will think it's your boss who is being, um, what do you call it, upset at you or it's your boss who is being, you know, mean at you or something like that. But that's not the case. The case is you need to learn self-governance and emotional mastery. That response was totally uncalled for. If you say, oh, you know what? Unfortunately, I had a few things to do over the weekend and I couldn't get back to your email. Please find attached. You it, 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 do... <sighs> I don't know. It's a very deep topic. And I know that, yeah, it's easy to just say, oh, it's wrong and it's right. But it's a very deep topic. It goes for that to show the fabric of the way we reason as a people. Because, for instance, somebody drives by you and you, I hope I've not gone off tangents because I'm really emotional about this particular topic. Somebody drives by you on the roadside. Everything you want to do within your power is to get into that person's space and show them with your hand, or show them with your hand how upset you are, or show them how stupid, or just make noise in your car, showing how mental we all are. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Just to score cheap points. Now, what did that anger, that show of anger do for you? Nothing, except cause you extra headache and maybe probably lose your voice in the process. And that's what is playing out in this email. Yes, good and fine. The person who sent the email possibly was wrong in her position or in the way that she delivered that message. But what about you, the responder? What was your reaction to that? Did you have to also stoop down to that person's level? Did you have to also stoop down to that person's level and, you know, brandish everything you wanted to? 
if I'm that manager, all I would do is to take it to a board meeting and say, look at what's going on. We need to have a cultural intervention in this company. And that person will be blacklisted forever. I can give you a story about one of my... I hope I'm not taking too much time. I can give you a story of one of my past experiences. You know, I was always... Um, when I, I just I just, I just returned to Nigeria at the time and I was working, my boss was so in love with me because he felt like I could do anything for him. He was he gave me the nickname 007. You know, any any document, any name, I was dig that person from under. I was so proactive, you know. But I did that to the detriment of my team members down below. I had a line manager. I always ignored her and went directly to my MD, you know. I went directly. I, I had about seven programs I was managing at that particular time, seven projects I was managing at that particular time. I was balling now. What do you mean? I was a big girl, and of course, I had a tiny, small accent. So, yeah, I was a baller, shakola, you know? And all of a sudden, my boss traveled for a meeting outside the country where he was going to spend half a year, six months, and I was left all by myself. By then, oh, I unconsciously didn't know that for every time they're telling me, oh, train this intern, oh, train this copper, oh, show them what you're doing. They were taking away my job one after the other. By the end of that year, from seven projects towards billions, millions of naira, I went down to 1.5. 1.5 because the other program was closing out. So I had 1.5 projects to work on. So I met the manager and I said, what's going on? And the first thing she told me was, that, have you come down from your high horse? It took me, it, it took me losing my projects to learn that you don't always have to have the last C. Just tell her, I'm sorry, I couldn't work. Why are you talking about somebody's social life? I have a lot to say, but let me stop here so that I can get other opinions as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adenike and um, um, Gloria. It's been such an interesting conversation. I mean, I've had to take a lot of mental notes and this is one that i will definitely go back to to listen again because quite a lot of gems um were dropped here and i know that in the course of the uh, discussion we have touched on you know um, um line managers to line managers supervisor relationship that's from the point of view of quote and unquote subordinate as well as um if you are the line manager or the uh, supervisor or yeah how to relate with your subordinates but i wanted us to focus a bit more on it so how can we cultivate a very good um 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 relationship how can we deposit like like we've been saying how can you um um how can you um how can you fill up that emotional part of your subordinate that will allow them want to go above and beyond for you in exigencies and as a subordinate how can you create or cultivate such um, relationship with your line manager or supervisor that they will understand you know the kind of um, your working ethics that they would know that i mean just so that they would just know how to better communicate with you or how to not request um, such uh, ridiculous um, uh, things from you you know how to know that you have a work-life balance even if they want to go above and beyond you know how to sort of ensure that you are better place and positions, even when they want to request, they know that you're not one to be tossed around or you know to be asked ridiculous things from. So I want us to dwell on that now. You know, I want us to try and you know do that within the confines of time as well as you know just expand on it as much as we can. Hi Cynthia, this was a very good perspective or this is a very good perspective. So Thank you very much again for the brilliant question. I'd like to approach this from a bit, from a more holistic um, point of view, or as my daughter would say, POV, you know? So why am I taking it from a different perspective? I'd like us to look at this more or less as a as an organizational-wide thing versus it being a line manager employee situation. What you find in most organizations is that once the relationship or the employer's journey goes from HR onboarding to departmental, um, what do you call it, to departmental deployment, you find that the line manager tends to want to um, run the company or run the department as their own company, as a CEO of their own company. And this might be very prevalent in African communities where the, the need to exert authority is very big or is very huge. 
And this again, if you think about it deeply, stems from sometimes our own relationship with our parents, the kind of strict upbringing that we're brought under, and the, the need for us to also exert um, authority. So when somebody has flogged you, flogged you, flogged you all your life, all you're thinking of to do is to become a senior so you can do the same thing to your to your students. You find that happening in boarding school. You find that happening in, you know, the work environment. This is just a cry for help and it's a deeper societal issue, you know. And that's why the the concept of business culture is still very new in, in, in Africa and needs to be embedded. I'm very thankful that um, with the work that we do or the work that I do, yeah, um, these are things that we are focusing on to ensure that we help employers be able to create um in-depth culture or to create a high-performing culture. A, a, an employer shouldn't have a different experience in one department and another person will have a different experience in another department, even though we are individuals. The thing that should hold us bound or the thing that should hold us together is the core of our organization. The core, which means the values, our core focus and every other thing that leads to the behavior, which is actually the business culture. Okay, so this should not necessarily stem from business, from line manager to employee. It should be a company-wide thing. And how can we then transcend that relationship to the to the to the um, what do you call those people to the line managers and ensure that this now becomes a a behavior that is permitted um, company-wide. The first thing is is um, what do you call it is instituting a culture of. Uh, or being intentional and flexible about your culture. Intentional means that there needs to be some fundamentals that have to be described within the organization. So what, who are we? Are we a family? Do we act as a family? Are we a customer-oriented or customer-focused environment? Are we an environment that um, respects people's time? Are we an environment that, that is reliable, that is full of integrity, that focuses on speed and whatnot? Now, what this does is that when you have identified these fundamentals, it helps you to be able to assert or to align the behaviors that are required for this so that if there's an anomaly, somebody can easily flag it up to say, come, oh, this is not what we have known as our norm, but this person has made it their norm. And that's something that needs to be corrected immediately. Okay. So, and then once we are able to establish that, both line managers and employees understand their rights and understand the extent to which their rights work in that environment. When we do that, people are no longer, they're no longer, um, they don't, they no longer work on eggshells and we, we, we reduce subjectivity and the reliance on personal interpretation of the law because the organization solves for that. Now, within teams as well, you need to ensure that you're, you're, in, you're in, intentional about building relationships within your team based on people's strengths, okay? There are people who are result-oriented, the other ones are maybe visual-oriented, whatever the case may be, build relationships based on strengths. And more importantly, try to develop relationships outside the work environment. I know that this is counterproductive to what we are talking about, but having relationships outside the organization also helps to foster that culture of knowing that person beyond themselves. So beyond just having TGIFs, you can decide to say, you know what, want to come and visit you in your home or want to have TGIF in your home, just to see what your community looks like, to see also if it is constraints of location or environment that is even preventing your staff member from being available over the weekend, if it is the fact that, you know, they have commitments with their family or commitments with other areas of their life that is preventing them from, you know, from being active over the weekend. So that puts a human face to it. You know, if at all you want to take the relationship out of to that extent. But as far as I'm concerned, people should know each other on a personal level. Have a discussion with your team members to understand what goes on in their family life. Are they the firstborn, the lastborn, the middleborn? You know what? How many children do they have? What are things that are going on with them? So that you can put some human face to it. I said it earlier before that at the basis of human interaction is the is the need to be heard. Is the need to be heard, and the only way you can be heard is if you actually have some what do you call it? if you're if you're invested emotionally in me. If you're not invested emotionally in me, it's not possible. And also give frequent feedback. Oh, I've noticed so and so is happening. Could there be any other reason why? So instead of jumping into conclusion, you're actually leading by feedback. You're giving the person feedback and giving the person the opportunity to explain themselves and let you know if there's another thing there that we need to pay attention to. Okay? Giving constant feedback and creative ones at that. You know, when you also see training opportunities that are available, share with your team member and say, okay, you know what? I find that you're a bit, you know, lapse in this area. I think this training will help. So go ahead and do this training and see how much, you know, we can we can create success in your portfolio. So I feel that these things will help. We need to be a bit intentional. We need to be flexible. Culture needs to flow organizational-wide and we need to define what is fundamental to our behavior, to our organization and turn that into behaviors that are relevant. And most importantly, 
leaders, team leaders, you know, you're, you're the CEO of your role, no doubt, but you're not the CEO of your own company inside the company. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. So that way you don't see it as your own opportunity to be the wicked boss or to be the bad senior, you know, that was, that was mean to you in boarding school or stuff like that. Treat everybody as a human being. At the basis of every human interaction is the need to be heard. And you see, transfer of emotions. If you're vested in my personal life, which again, we have to draw the lines there. You don't have to be so invested in my life so much too, that you start gossiping about me. I need to trust you. I need to trust that like, you can you, you keep your word. You need to also walk the talk. If my leader is not walking the talk, why are they forcing me to walk the talk? I feel like they are bullying me. So you also need to walk the talk. You need to do what you say. You're, you need to do what you want me to do as well. Let me also learn from you. Let it not be that you're only always draining me, draining me, draining me, and there's nothing coming back. Yeah? So I hope this helps. Okay. Hi, uh, thank you so much, uh, Chef Glow, for that fantastic, I always say fantastic, but I can't think of another word. Uh, that's your analysis they were just hitting it i was like yes this chef went to school i'm happy she went to school and the school showed in her body you know i liked what you said about the culture of basketballs and that uh, they need to work on that uh, so i'll i'll try to answer cynthia's question about what uh i believe a supervisor or manager should do to build a relationship that makes it easy for them to ask or is it would I say would I say the word is favors uh, when required as well as uh, how uh, the person reporting to the manager I don't know the best word for that because the word that keeps coming to me is subordinate and the work people will probably come and drag me for calling someone a subordinate but you know that thing that in your mind they are thinking of as a subordinate, that word. I'll just say the S word from now on. And so the person in that position, the junior, the junior person, uh, what do I think he or she can do to communicate to the supervisor or manager that they would rather not be disturbed when they're off work? Because I think that's what he was trying to do in his email. Uh, remember, we still we haven't quite gone back to unpack Brandon and his manager's uh, points, but I think that was what Brandon was also trying to pass across. That please, I'm not interested in all of those few people's after work lack of work life balance. So for me, I do work for an organization where work life balance is an important value. It's a value for us. We consider it a value. So. If my manager did come to me, and I've had cases where my manager, in whom I was very well pleased, anyway, came to me and asked me to come and work over the weekend. And consistently, I let them know in my organization that I don't want to work weekends, even if I'm going to be paid overtime. It's just not what I want to do. Because, you know, most times for people in my organization, if you're asked to work after hours it's more or less like your manager doing you a favor it took me a while to figure that out because uh when i got to the role where when i got promoted to the point where i could be asking people to come um over for overtime it took me a while to recommend people i know it came across as well she doesn't want to eat she also doesn't want us to eat kind of thing and i finally figured out that okay i'm going to have to find a way to manage that and I'll just digress a bit and talk about that in the sense that because I had to recommend people working for me to come for overtime and I didn't want to come so the people that would have to approve above me would not go like oh, who is going to monitor the work he or she is doing but thankfully I didn't have to argue too much because most times we have this Templates that before you get your overtime approval, you have to say what the person is coming to do over time, and because it's part of the what you need to show to to get the person paid. So that was easy for me because it's easy for I don't have to be there physically. I can once the person once we filled the form and said this is what uh, Cynthia is coming to do when she comes overtime for overtime. You Cynthia it just falls on Cynthia to ensure that she can defend it so the reason why i went into all of that was to go back to the point of what can a 
what can the uh, S word, the junior person do? So one of the things the junior person can do is that if you have that kind of system in where your manager has to ask you if he or she should put in a request for overtime for you, you can politely say, oh, no, okay, I'm sorry, I can't come this weekend. I have a wedding or I'm sorry, this weekend uh, I'm going to be, uh, I have already made plans with my friends. We're traveling out of the country. You know, just let the organ know that, oh, you've made plans. And that, oh, next time, please, if you're checking with me, please just let me check with me earlier, maybe on Monday or Tuesday, so that I will be able to adjust my plans accordingly. So I think that comes across as being that oh, you're willing to cooperate, just that you need a bit of time. You don't want people to spring surprises on you. And as a manager, you know that at some point you're going to need your people to work overtime. Sometimes the request to work overtime comes as in I figure out maybe on Thursday or Friday that oh we are going to need to meet this deadline or timeline as the most spiritual people will use. I I need my people to come in overtime. So immediately I realize that such a need comes is up. I'm not going to be sending an email and be saying according to your perfect what they call that according to your KPI documents you have to meet so 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 and so schedule. I'm probably on my right if I say that. However, I realize that I'm not going to get the best from my people even if I force them to come. I've seen that old play out over and over again. So what I would rather do is come and say, oh, Cynthia, oh, you know, we we're supposed to have done ABC this week. And, but we were not able to meet up. What I think we should do is that we should come in and, and try to catch up over the weekend. That even me, I don't like coming for overtime. I think I will have to come this weekend. And because my people know that I don't like to come for overtime, anything that makes me have to come, that has to be something that I couldn't have done anything about. So my people already know by the time we are working during the week is with the understanding that let's finish everything we have to do up front so that we don't have to work over the weekend. And long before it became fashionable for people to work from home, I started giving my people the, would I say the uh, opportunity to do that. Okay, I, I need ABC done. I don't need you to come into the office. Please don't come into the office, but please, how can you help me do ABC? Because most of the time, the issue is that uh, I, the people, I, you want people to come at a particular time. All the people that have ever worked with me, I've always looked at, okay, let's see, how can we get this thing. I know my end game is that I need the presentation slides, for example. I don't need you to come to your desk in the office in VI or Lecky to do it. Use your laptop at home. Send, set it up for me. Send it to me by email. I'll finish it off. But I know, so both of us, there was a time we had to, during the lockdown, I had to work with one of my colleagues. I think he went back to, uh, to he, uh, outside Lagos. He was even outside Lagos. And we also had, we had to work sometimes during the weekends. Sometimes I probably have like a wedding or something. I let him know, oh, I have a wedding. Uh, send what I need to review. Please send it by 2 p.m. It is because I have to be out by 4 p.m. And I'll make, I'll give my comments. And you know, we both went above and beyond. We pushed ourselves um, because, and immediately he was, he did the work. Every time he did something that was novel, or something that kind of was above and beyond. I ensured that I let the managers know that this guy went above and beyond his job description. I, I kept telling them, people have to recommend him for so-and-so. You need to do a basic for him. You know, every opportunity I have to give him something to let him know. Sometimes it's just words. Sometimes I have the opportunity to maybe recommend him for some... Uh, acknowledgement i make sure that i mention it to everyone that this is the reason why this guy appears to be the favored person because he did abc and people love to be appreciated so in my opinion i think that helps if you're able to um, manage it so that would be my answer to your question cynthia if I, as a manager you know that it is inevitable for you to require your people to do something beyond their regular job description. So you do what you can do up front to 
invest in their emotional bank account so that when you have to withdraw from the bank account, you are not drawing from empty. And even when you are making your request, make the request to a human being. Don't write an email that as if it was written by a robot that has no feelings. So if it was something that you could not have prevented, you could doesn't that you could not say, oh, apologies for having to make this request. However, we need to do ABC. Therefore, I would need you to please come in on Saturday or Sunday or over the weekend and let them even make the choice. Do they want to come on Saturday or Sunday? They want to work extra hours during the week. I've had cases where I gave the person the option. Do you want to do the overtime and spend more hours during the week? Or do you want to come on a weekend where you are on this, not disturbed and you do the work? And he made his choice or sometimes she made her choice and I just adapt. Thank you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This has been a very interesting and insightful um, conversation. We've had lots of commentary from everybody and absolutely brilliant and insightful conversation, like I mentioned earlier. I think this conversation was very necessary at this time, particularly for organizations who are experiencing a growth phase, for organizations who have, you know, a larger percentage of influencers. And when I say influencers, I mean strong personalities in the organization. So this is the time more organizations want to be more purposeful. And would I use the word, I mean, if use the word intentional about the way that we, in fact, to have a systemic approach, if I can put it that way, to the way that we approach the concept of culture, because all of this behavior still has its roots embedded in culture. So we want to ensure that in our organizations, we, we are living we are, how do I put it? We are, we are living by the culture that we create intentionally versus living by the culture that emerges by default, where we have people owning different subsets of the organization in the organization. It doesn't work that way. And it won't work that way if you are an organization that are driven by a vision, a mission, and values. We need to make sure that our behaviors also align or reflect that mission, vision, and values that we have been talking about. So I think this is a very good opportunity for us to have more discourse around this because changes have happened vis-a-vis -vis COVID, you know, and with the past, with the pandemic, we are finding that a lot of perspectives have changed, a lot of mindsets have changed, and things like that. And with that happening, we also find that, you know, the organization needs to also be flexible enough to be able to create intentionally a culture that works for such an environment. So I think that's uh, my final close-up. Let's be more intentional about these things. Let this sort of, you know, emails and text messages be an anomaly, you know, something that happens one-off, not something that is a crux in the organization. Because from the buzzwords that we heard from these people, we can see that it is an embedded culture. So if you give me, I give you. I don't have time for that. You understand? So we can't, we can't continue with that sort of um, behavior if we want to succeed and build sustainable businesses, you know, in our dear country. So that's about it. Thank you so much for inviting me to this brilliant discourse. I look forward to more um, interesting topics that we can dissect, talk about, and help people. Have a brilliant one. Oh, well, you could not have said it any better, Gloria. You summed it up quite nicely. I'm just to avoid repeating what has been said. It's been such a fruitful conversation, such an inciting one. Trust me, if I was taking notes, oh my God, I would have, you know, I would have had a filled 60 leaves notebook. So, I mean, it was such, um, such um, a gem-packed um, discussion that we had today. And I think at the bottom of it all, I think emotional intelligence does play, you know, a huge role, you know, whichever um, position that you find yourself, whether as a manager or a supervisor, someone that has a subordinate, I use the word loosely, or you are at the um, at the end of the pole where you have uh, someone to report to, someone that is your superior, someone that is your supervisor, that is a manager. Emotional intelligence plays a lot, you know, on both sides of the of the totem. Um, 
as a supervisor or manager, if you have not poured into your um, your subordinates, please, you know, don't 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 make requests that just don't make sense. You know, don't make requests that put them in a precarious situation. Don't make requests that do not make them comfortable. You know, you might get your request in that moment, but in the long run, you might not. You know, you won't have cultivated a relationship with them, or they'll be averse to actually helping you out when you might actually need it. And you, you know. Um, being the one that has a supervisor or manager, you know, irrespective of the requests that come, you should understand that um, you need to give your manager or supervisor lead way. Um, um, I mean, I mean, play. I mean, um, don't don't be eager to give buzzwords. That's just don't don't be eager to give buzzwords unless you're ready to get another job or something like that. I mean, you might want to. Tone it down a little bit. If someone has requested something of you that is not, I feel is not, is not within their prerogatives to do so. I mean, you there are other avenues to try to resolve it as opposed to actually, you know, just resolving, resulting, sorry, to um 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 sending that strong worded email and just, I mean, I mean, that 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 really other avenues. You can wait to get into the office, have a discussion or conversation with the person. You can always escalate to um, the HR department. There's just so many things that can be done. Don't be that one that wants to, so um, someone said something earlier on, which is you can be, um, you can be right and you can be dead right. You know, don't don't be dead in the process of being right. Don't lose your job in the process of being right, or don't lose that privilege that you might have had in the process of being wanting to be wanting to be right. So to say, I think what I that says so. So on that note, um, we bring this to a close. Thank you so much for listening to um to us on this discussion. You're wonderful. We'd like to hear your own opinions, your experiences. If you've experienced this before, being on either end, you might want to just you know drop a message. Send us a message with it. You know, it'd be lovely to sort of see what you know you have been through out there. You know, if you know, is this something like what we have read? Have you been in any of these situations? How did you handle it? Do you think that any of these people could have handled the situation better for you know to just get a different outcome? Um, so uh, follow us on our social medias on Instagram. We are at Gist Arena, Gist Arena with a double A in the middle. On YouTube, we are Gist Arena. Please follow us, listen to our podcast. Drop us uh, um, um, uh, messages, tell us, you know, well done. If you like something about what we have done, please let us know. If you do not like what we have done, please let us know. If you want us to change, if you think we can improve or something, please let us know as well. Thank you so much. Until next time, stay blessed. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Gisterena. We hope you enjoyed the topic discussed. Please drop your comments and let us know what you think about it. We'll definitely love to hear from you. Until next time, bye!